Good morning, Desert Cities Church. Welcome to our Resurrection Sunday and to all of our friends and family who are watching online. It is so great to be together. Today we're going to be focusing on the resurrected Jesus. And we're also going to be talking about how that can resurrect our lives as well. And it's amazing when Jesus was in his ministry that he talked about his resurrection multiple times at the end of his ministry, he said that the temple would be torn down and rebuilt in three days. He even told his disciples directly, I am going to be persecuted, crucified, and resurrected on the third day. And yet they still didn't quite get it. They didn't understand that he was going to gain victory over death. Victory over evil, victory over Satan and all of his forces, victory over our weaknesses, victory, victory even over the frailty of our bodies. And he gave this promise to every single Christian that follows him that will be resurrected in the same way someday. We might think this is only a New Testament concept. But even in the Old Testament, even as far back as Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible, in Job 19.26, as his suffering, he says, Even my skin, after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. So even as he was going through this challenging time, he could still have hope that he would someday be resurrected and see God face to face that that was on his heart even before the Bible was written. In Psalm 16, verse 10, a verse written by David that was quoted in Acts 2 when Peter started the, when they started the church and Peter was preaching, he says, For you will not abandon my soul to the grave. So even David was aware that his soul would not end up in the grave, that it would be raised and he continues and says, Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Speaking about Jesus and his resurrection. In Daniel 12:2, he says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. That even Daniel looked forward to a day when we would all come face to face with God and be raised to life or not. And that's kind of an intense thought, but to live our lives knowing that we're going to meet God in a way that could help us to attain this resurrection that Jesus offers. We're going to be looking at John 21 today where Jesus appears to the seven of his 12 disciples in Galilee. And in verse 1, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened in this way. And my point number one is the resurrected Jesus is searching for us. And even more specifically, the resurrected Jesus is searching for you and for me. See, his disciples, they needed to see Jesus. It wasn't just a, an educational exercise that Jesus was going to appear to all these people so that they could someday build a legal case that he actually rose from the dead. Although that's true, they actually 
were people like you and me. They needed to see Jesus. They weren't super Christians. They didn't just automatically believe. They needed to be convinced. And so he appeared to Mary and the women at the tomb as they came to see him. He appeared to the apostles once with Thomas and once without Thomas. He appeared on the way to Emmaus with two of the disciples. He even showed himself to 500 of the disciples at a time. And then he made personal visits to James and to Peter and to Paul later on. So he met his disciples at a tomb. He met them walking on the road, looking locked in a room, at a church service or big gathering, and then private times on a horse, on another road, Wherever his followers were, Jesus met them. He knew where to find them. He knew how to reach them. He knew what each of them needed. To Mary, he spoke her name and she recognized him. To the disciples, they put their fingers in his wounds to recognize and realize that it was him. It's amazing to know that the resurrected Jesus is searching for us. And even searching for you and for me. I don't know if maybe you were just coming to a service today and maybe you didn't realize that Jesus is seeking after a relationship with you. How was Jesus seeking me in my life? I grew up in a Bible-believing house. But even then, I still needed to connect to Jesus personally. I still needed to see him. I still needed to believe for myself. He showed up for me when I was 17 in a funeral parking lot, praying a prayer that I didn't even know how to pray or what I was praying for. He showed up for me, believe it or not, on a football field, because that was something that I was into, and he reached me where I was. I encountered him when I came into an unfortunate run-in with the law at 3 a.m., and I also He showed up for me some nights in my room when I would think about life and wonder what I was doing and where I was going. When I got to college, he met me after practice one day as I was walking with friends and I heard the term free food and I decided to go to a Bible discussion, little knowing that I would get anything more than free food. I wasn't going to find Jesus, but he was trying to find Jesus me. Maybe he's already found you a long time ago, but he still is near to us. He's still searching out for us. It's not a one-time deal. Maybe it's the hundredth time or more that we need to get with Jesus. Or maybe it's our first time. Maybe we're not really sure how to do that. Maybe he got the attention of somebody that we know or care about, and that in turn, got our attention as we've seen their lives change. This happened to Mikhail, one of our, one of my friends here that said that he was, he saw something different about a coworker and asked him about it. And it turns out it was his relationship with God. And that was something that got his attention. It wasn't, he wasn't going to work to find Jesus, but Jesus was going to his work to find him. 
And we have some amazing examples of Christians that are out in the workforce and shining their lights and getting the attention of those that maybe aren't even looking for Jesus, but just see something different because of him. Today we're going to see Jesus showing up for seven of his disciples. Like I said, they might not have been looking for him, but they needed to see him. And right now he's searching for each of us. He sees you. He knows what you're going through and knows you and knows how to reach you in the best way. And we're going to see that today, that he reaches some of these disciples in the way that they will be reached ultimately. Let's continue reading in verse 2. It says, Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Dinebus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. All these things going on with Jesus resurrecting and this big turmoil in Jerusalem, and what do they want to do? They want to go fishing. I don't know if they were just ready to give up and go back to their old lives, as some people have thought. Or that they were just being practical that, hey, we got to eat, we got to make a living, let's go catch some fish. Or maybe they were kind of stressed out and just wanted to get out of Dodge and fishing was their comfort zone. I don't know about you, I've been there this past year just wanting to get out in nature and, and get with God and be able to, to get some peace out there. Maybe that's where they were at. But what they learned after a whole night of fishing, was that they cannot catch a fish without Jesus. Without God making that happen, they can forget about it. That is a lesson that they had to learn over and over. And maybe that's a lesson for you and I, that we can have all the plans and all the dreams in the world, but without Jesus, they're not going to turn out like we want. And we'll talk about that a bit later. But as we finish point one, Jesus searching for us, I found this quote by Earl Nightingale that was inspiring. It says, never give up on a dream because of the time it takes to accomplish it. The time will pass away. And maybe they were here ready to give up on a dream, and Jesus was here to restore that dream for them. Maybe you're ready to give up. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're worn out. I believe Jesus wants to meet us and give us strength and help us to dream for him once again. My point number two is the resurrected Jesus helps us find what we're looking for. And now I'm excited that our brother Teddy Jones is going to share a little bit about Jesus searching after him and how he was able to find a resurrected life through Jesus. I give you Teddy Jones. Enjoy. Hi everyone, my name is Teddy Jones and I am a new member of Desert Cities Church of Christ. I was baptized on February 28th by the grace of God and that was just a special day for me. I had a lot of my friends and my family there so it was very special like I said and I know that that is the best decision that I will make throughout the entirety of my life. 
And I wanted to thank the members of Desert Cities Church of Christ for um, welcoming me with loving hearts and open arms. It really helped reassure me that I was in the right place. So thank you for that. Last week following service, I was asked to share my testimony, and I really wasn't excited about that. I'm not um, the best public speaker. I get a bit nervous, so wasn't looking forward to it, but I prayed about it, and I realized that it's a wonderful opportunity, it's a blessing, and it really is an honor to be sharing with you all. So here's a bit about me and my upbringing. I am a Coachella Valley native. I grew up out here, um, did school out here K through 12 with an awesome family. I have a, a loving mother and father and a wonderful sister who are all believers and have faith. And they planted seeds in my heart from a very young age. I had just never really been able to surrender my life to God. The relationship that I had with God, it was a bit toxic on my end. I, I would lean on God when I needed him. And when he would give me blessings, I wouldn't acknowledge him, nor would I thank him. So, like I said, it was toxic. I leaned on God when I needed him. He'd give me blessings, and that was it. I'd come back to him when I needed something else. But um, fast forward a bit, and I'm in college. And I loved the college lifestyle. Staying out till the crack of dawn, drinking, and everything that goes along with that. And the list really goes on and on. But uh, I was a slave to sin, and at this point in time, I had walked further away from Christ than I ever had before. And the further I walked away from Christ, the worse my life was getting. But on the surface level, I was doing great. I, I'm in college pursuing this education. I found the career path that I wanted to follow. I have a great social life, a lot of friends, I'm drinking, I'm making good grades. So, you know, at this point, I was thinking I'm the man. Um, and although things looked fine, they weren't. My heart, it was, uh, my heart was growing cold. It was growing dark. And um, I started having trouble recognizing who I was becoming. It took an incident that happened with my best friend, well, one of my best friends, and... Um, who is no longer one of my friends, uh, but it took an incident between the two of us for me to realize that I needed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Looking back at my journey, it takes me to Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And what, the, what these verses are saying is that nothing can separate us from God's love. No height nor depth can separate us from God's love. And this can be a hard message to grasp. I, I understand that. The message that God loves the bitter you. He loves the messy you. He loves the prideful you and the hateful you. He, he just loves you. He loves us perfectly and he accepts us as who we are. And don't let that go over your head like I did for so many years. I heard that message and it was just like, okay, God loves me. Great. But it really is a miracle that the awesome creator of this universe accepts Teddy Jones as who he is, as who I am. And he accepts you as who you are, too. Um, but when I was going through my studies with Scott and Mikhail, this is really what helped me fall in love with Jesus. While knowing that my sin would put Jesus on the cross and end his life, he loved me and he loved you, too. 
for the sinner that I am and the sinner that you are. But um, on a brighter note, after giving my life to Christ, I now experience a total transformation in my heart. I have this joy that only comes from God and peace that you cannot experience without the Holy Spirit. I do, however, understand that life will continue to be messy and throw trials at me. I will still experience negative emotions and go through unfavorable circumstances. But at the end of the day, I know that I always have hope in Christ and that Christ's love for me is unchanging. So that's my testimony and how I came to Christ. But looking forward, I'm excited to see how I can help and serve at Desert Cities Church of Christ. There's so many people here willing to serve and are just so selfless. And I've been inspired and encouraged by all of you. So if you can pray for me that, um, that I would just sort of find that area and God would really show me what area I can help serve in, I would really appreciate that. But once again, Desert Cities Church of Christ, thank you for assisting me in my journey and allowing me to be a part of the family. Thank you so much, Teddy, for what you shared, for your heart, for God's word, for your gratitude, for the fellowship, and just your spirit to respond to Jesus as he called you. So thank you so much again for sharing about your resurrected life. Let's continue on with John 21 and verse 4. With the second point, the resurrected Jesus helps us find what we're looking for. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. It's amazing that Jesus showed up as the light of the world at first light of day. And truly, he would show them. They didn't recognize him at the time, but he would display his power and light during this day. He asked them, friends, haven't you any fish? Basically, did you catch anything? And I'm sure that as any good fisherman would, they sheepishly said no, and they were probably pretty depressed. They thought they had a buyer on the beach, but they had nothing to sell that day. Then the friend says to throw their nets on the right side of the boat, and they do it, and they get this amazing catch of fish. I'm not sure what they were thinking, but they had a particularly humble moment and decided to listen to this stranger. They didn't really know it was Jesus at the time, but they were looking for fish and this stranger gave him a promise. If you throw your nets on the right side of the boat, you will find them. And ultimately, Jesus gives us direction with a promise. That when we search for him, we'll find it. That when we trust in him, that we will be fulfilled. And here they found what they're looking for. They found so many fish. It was a miracle. It was amazing. It blew their minds. And yet, were they really looking for fish? Is that really what they were all about? Is that their ultimate goal? Did they spend their last three years of their life following Jesus just to catch fish? I think not. 
But we'll see how it continues here. It says the disciple whom Jesus loved, in verse 7, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in a boat, towing the net full of fish, and for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I'm sure that Peter was reminded of the first time that Jesus called him when he walked into his boat and started teaching the people from the shore. And he gave Peter the challenge to throw out your nets into deep water. And Peter took his boat out into deep water and had the same miraculous catch of fish. He was reminded of when it all began three years later after it was already accomplished by Jesus. When he was called the first time, his response was, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That he was filled with guilt and shame and regret. That he heard the teachings of Jesus and was humbled and realized that there was a separation between Jesus and his perfection and his love and, and Peter's life. And yet Jesus responds, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. That so many times we can come to Jesus and we see that separation and we can be afraid. And yet Jesus wants us not to be afraid, but to catch a vision for our life. Helping others, helping our families, helping people around us to know God and experience what Peter was really looking for. Because as in the beginning, he didn't care about the fish. He responded to Jesus' love, acceptance, and grace. Even realized how short he fell compared to Jesus, how he wasn't perfect, but Jesus could make him great. That was what he really wanted. Think about your own life. What do you really want? What are you looking for? Are you looking for fish? Are you looking for something temporary? Are you looking for something that death can take away? Are we looking for relationships? I know we are. But don't we really want true love? Are we looking for money? And trying to be secure financially? Or are we really looking for security and safety and freedom? Are we looking for success or are we looking for acceptance? Sometimes we settle for the surface of things and we don't realize that we really want more. 
Are we truly fulfilled with the things that we have and the things that we're going after? In verse 7, Peter doesn't care about the fish. When he realizes it's Jesus, he jumps out of the boat, puts his coat on, and just starts frantically swimming towards shore. His desire to be with Christ puts everything else, makes everything else pale in comparison. He wants to see Jesus. He wants to be reconnected with him. He wants to do something great with his life. And he knows that Jesus is the answer for that. In verse 9 and 10, it's almost humorous when Jesus asked them to bring some of the fish that they just caught. When you think about it, did they really catch it? They caught nothing. Jesus told them what to do, and they caught a lot of fish. That, But he, he gives that to them. He lets them enjoy the fish that they just caught through him. And they even count 153 fish, which is probably what they were used to doing as they took the fish to market and tried to sell them and whatnot. And there's a lot of people that come up with a lot of fancy reasons why they counted 153 and meant the Jews and the Gentiles and all kinds of different things. I like to think about it that they were they were fishermen and they were pretty fired up about this amazing miracle that God had did had done with 153 reasons to celebrate. Any of you who may be fishermen, you like to tell fish stories, right? And sometimes the fish was this big. But as time goes on, it gets bigger and bigger. But literally, these guys had witnesses to this 153 fish catch. One of my favorite fish stories, when we were in Oregon one year with Danielle's family on the McKenzie River. We were there with one of the guides who has 50 years experience fishing on this river. And my son Connor and I asked him, let's go out and try to catch some steelhead, which are like supersized trout. And he said with confidence, there's no steelhead this year. And he went on to tell me all the reasons why, and they counted so few fish coming over the dams, and I don't even know how they can count every single fish, but somehow they can. But we convinced him, hey, let's give it a shot. We went out not even 100 yards from where we were, and in 30 minutes, we caught two large steelhead. And upon catching the second fish, the guide looked at me. He's not a real spiritual guy, but he looked at us and he said, you know what? The big man had something to do with that. And we all laughed and we enjoyed the time and we came in. And every time we tell the story, he'll say the same thing, that the big man had something to do with that. What an amazing miracle that we witnessed what an amazing day that we had now you may have stories from when cliff weeks took the brothers out fishing off of san diego or, or different stories here and there but imagine the disciples as they got into fishing stories with people and they could share you're never going to believe this one day we fished all night caught nothing and this stranger on the beach who turned out to be jesus caught 153 fish for us. What a great way to share their faith and what an amazing memory that they would never forget. I love this view of Jesus. 
He helped them find what they were looking for. It wasn't the fish, but it was ultimately him and a new life, the resurrected life that he offered. He told them to come have breakfast with us. And that's probably one of my favorite views of Jesus sitting around a campfire outside with the fellowship and the friends around and just talking about the amazing catch that they just had. And that truly is the Christian life in a nutshell, sitting around a campfire with Jesus, talking about what God is doing in all of our lives. It says they recognized him when he had the loaves and the fish. The abundance that came from Jesus reminded them of the feeding of the 5,000 and the picking up 12 baskets. And the feeding of the 4,000 and the 7 baskets. And the amazing abundance that comes from following Jesus. He gives us everything we need and overflowing. Everything that we're looking for. And I'm sure it reminded them of why they initially followed Jesus. I pray that today that whyever you're here that you can be called to a greater purpose from him that he can help us find what we're really looking for, what we really want out of life. And I pray that you get time to even go to him and ask him for the things that we want and the things that we're looking for in life. As I close out this section on uh, the resurrected Jesus helps us find what we're looking for, I found a quote from Marcus Aurelius. It is not death that a man should fear, but he should fear never beginning to live. And that was the decision point that the disciples were at, that they, they had experienced Jesus, and now they were, they were in this point of decision to continue to go forward with him. And after you experience life with Christ, it's hard to go back to simply catching fish. My third point is the resurrected Jesus. Love, like, and follow me. Sounds kind of like a social media Uh, encouragement there but that is the conversation that Jesus had with Peter immediately following their breakfast in verse 15 he says when they finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these yes Lord he said you know that I love you Jesus said feed my lambs again Jesus said Simon son of John do you love me he answered yes Lord you know that I love you Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Peter is followed up with this conversation with Jesus. After this amazing breakfast, Jesus gets down to his heart of hearts. He asked him, do you love me more than these? And probably some people think he was thinking about the boats or the fishing, but most feel that he was talking about the other disciples. Because not too long earlier in Matthew 26, Peter said, even if all fall away from you, Lord, I never will. And maybe here Jesus is dealing with his pride, that he was competitive, that he wanted to be the greatest, that he didn't have a healthy view of himself. I'm sure when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, Peter wasn't on the outside of that conversation. He was right in the middle of that conversation. 
Maybe for some of us too. Jesus is asking us, do you love me more than these? Will you feed my sheep? And Jesus goes through, and some of you have heard this before, that the first two times he asks him, he asks him, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter answers with the friendship form of love, phileo, I love you, I like you. So Jesus asking, do you love me? Peter responding, I like you. And then finally, the third time, Jesus asking him, Peter, do you like me? And Peter was says he was hurt. And this was a hurt that produced a brokenness and repentance and sorrow that led to joy. That Peter had to face himself, that he had to face Jesus, he had to face his shame and accept the calling that Jesus had for him. That Jesus didn't want to hear his vows or his promises, but he wanted his heart to be fully there. And later on, Peter was shepherding the flock and he would refer to Jesus as the great shepherd. Maybe because of conversations like these where he was helping him with his heart that would change his life forever. And then in verse 18, he says, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. And when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. That Jesus gave him a snapshot of his future. He gave him a vision that someday you're going to go somewhere that you don't want to go, but you will glorify me. He uses the play on words with dressing yourself and someone else dressing you. And the second word for dress is not the normal one for putting on our clothes. It has to do with someone tying your arms to a cross. That ultimately Peter would be tied to a cross someday. That's a heck of a heck of a thought to live the rest of your life with. But with Jesus, he had the hope of the resurrection. He knew that it wasn't just about this life and his love for Christ would motivate him to love him the rest of his days. Actually, when John wrote this, Peter was had already glorified God. He was killed under the emperor Nero, and many people think, have, have said that he was crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to be crucified and die in the same way as Jesus. What an amazing heart change. And I pray that even today that we have a heart change, that the resurrected Jesus comes to us and asks you and me, do you love me? Do you like me? Will you follow me? And I pray that we can take that to heart, even if there's sorrow in the beginning that leads to a godly sorrow and repentance and joy because we're living for Christ. It reminds me of uh, my daughter's friend, Bella Hernandez. On her 18th birthday, she wanted to go skydiving. I don't know why she would ever want to do that, but she came up with the idea, and her and her dad, Abe, went with her. And they got up there, and they took the video. And I can just imagine being at the edge of the, the plane and jumping out and having that experience of, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. I hope that the chute opens. I hope this goes okay. I'm sure that was a little bit of what Peter was experiencing here. Like, Jesus, I'm not so sure about this. This sounds like a lot, but I am going to jump 
and trust you, and we know that he ends up doing that. But even in the short run, he didn't answer the question. He deflected it. You can read ahead. He said, well, what about John? And Jesus says, don't worry about John. I got him covered. I'm talking to you. Will you love me? Will you follow me? Will you be my friend? And I pray that today that we can all make that decision. If you're visiting with us, maybe you don't understand fully what that means. But please ask the person that invited you or told you about the service so that you can learn more and have that resurrection experience that got Peter out of the boat to go see Jesus, that we can have God help our hearts to be that eager for him. As I close out this section, I found a quote from Steve Jobs. It says, Remembering that I will be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help make the big choices in life. And kind of ironic that Steve Jobs is no longer with us, but even as Jesus is no longer with us, he shows us the way to make decisions, to think about our lives, to pursue the right things for God. And I pray that today can be a time when we do that. As we take communion, I want to share a scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4 that captures the heart of the resurrection for us as Christians today. And many people were upset as people were following Jesus and they were going through persecution and were being killed and there was a lot of disputing going on about what happens to them. And he says that, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now these aren't eyewitnesses. They have heard the accounts just like us. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or died in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up in the air with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Today, we are encouraged with these words that we will be caught up in the air and meet Jesus and get to live with him forever because of his resurrection and his promise to us. I pray that that motivates us, that that gives us hope, that gives us perseverance and joy even in this life and motivates us to be able to share that with those around us that ultimately we can be with the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus is searching for us. He helps us find what we're truly looking for. And ultimately, he is asking you and me, will you like me? Will you love me? And will you follow me? Pray with me as we take communion and celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection today. God, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power to raise Jesus from the dead. I pray that we can gain strength from that, that we can be encouraged that whatever is going on in our lives, that we can make a difference here, that we can have an abundance here, that we can know you and be comforted and walk with you and sit at the campfire with you, but that ultimately someday we can be with you forever. 
God, we love you. We thank you for your body and your blood that was shed for us. And today we are most thankful for your resurrection that gives us hope. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.